Hi, everyone. Welcome to the On Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Ledgard. Today's guest runs an agency that helps founders market and launch Kickstarter campaigns and new e-commerce sites. We walk through all the steps you have to take to build an audience starting from zero. This advice is critical because while Kickoff Labs can help you build a great referral-based launch contest, you still need to bring what we call seed traffic in order to find customers willing to share and engage with your company and ultimately buy your products. She brought some great expertise to the pod and has worked with a few successful Kickoff Labs customers in the past. I know you're going to learn a ton here. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Uh, so today I'm talking to uh, Kirsten Ross uh, from Launch and Scale. So hi, Kirsten. Welcome to the On Growth Podcast. Hey, I am so excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell me about your about your business. What do you do? How do you help people? Yeah. So I am a the founder and CEO of Launch and Scale. So we are a online platform, uh, blog, marketing agency, etc. That all helps early stage founders launch their e-commerce brands online. So we have different ways to work with people, um, whether that is having an agency where we do the marketing for you, or we have a group coaching and mentorship to help actually train you to grow your business. Um, but that's all okay. What we do at Launch and Scale is we help early stage brands launch their products on Kickstarter, Shopify, get market traction and actually look to scale them up to $3 million a year and more. So there are many different ways we do that, but that is in a nutshell, we launch e-commerce businesses. Perfect. So at Kickoff Labs, obviously we've helped a lot of people launch new businesses. About half of our customers at least uh, come from uh, come from business launches of people starting with a new idea, whether it's eventually something they're going to have an e-commerce site, a subscription, or a Kickstarter launch, um, or something else. Like people are trying to build an audience. Like that's the root problem that people are trying to solve, like trying to grow the audience. And I wanted to talk to you, or I'm excited to talk to you today because um, you know, what Kickoff Labs does as a platform is it provides a tool to help people grow the audience uh, with uh, via referral. So people come to Kickoff Labs, they'll set up a landing page, people get people to sign up, enter the email address, and we can add that engagement and referral element to things like you know, give people points for following you on Facebook or give people additional points for every friend they refer. And, you can then turn those points into uh, into rewards for customers, whether it's a reward people earn at a certain point level or you're doing a giveaway as part of the launch. Um, and that mechanic, the challenge for our customers is that mechanic does amplify whatever marketing effort they're putting in. So I always like to tell people like Kickoff Labs or any platform that you're using like this helps you if you put in $1,000 worth of marketing effort or personal effort, I want that to feel like you spent a thousand, a thousand five hundred dollars, but you still have to know how you spend that first thousand dollars with the marketing, which is why I'm excited to talk to you to help people understand the ways in which they can drive what we call like to call seed traffic, that seeding of the market to get the ball of the referrals rolling in that case. Um, and so I understand as we were talking beforehand, you actually do have a connection. You'd heard of kickoff laws before as well. So do you want to, uh, I have. This is not sponsored, by the way, but um, <laughs> when I got connected with Josh for Kickoff Labs, I was really excited because one of the um, brands that we helped launch about 
three or four years ago, the Monk Manual is mm-hmm. a um, it's a ninety day quarterly journal for peaceful being and purposeful doing. And I remember um, Katie at the time was helping Stephen launch the brand, and she came in and said, "Hey, we have six weeks to get ready for our upcoming Kickstarter launch. We have three hundred people on our list, and Stephen really wants us to launch this on October twenty second. And I was like okay, well, I don't know if you could do this in six weeks, but let's just do it. So over the course of six weeks, Katie worked to use Kickoff Labs to build their list from 300 people to over 3,000. They ended up launching successfully on Kickstarter and their campaign raised about $72,000. They ended up in the weeks after the campaign when they went to produce the the planner, um, they were oversold for two months which is like super awesome. And now Monk Manual is, I believe, seven figure plus brand and they're doing really, really, really well. Um, And so I got acquainted with Kickoff Labs because they use that really successfully in such a short period of time to have a really successful Kickstarter campaign. Um, And here we are, small world, but because Monk Manual is uh, my go-to planner, so that's uh yeah like you said it's a small world and uh it's a great product and uh and again not sponsored by them uh unless they want to sponsor us but uh, <laughs> yeah um and you know, i'm hoping one day i'll convince him to come to come on the show and tell uh, and tell his side of the story yeah. um so what where do you see people uh falling down the most like when they reach out to you what are the pro- the biggest challenge that they're having it they either so let's assume it's like someone who's just getting started right and doesn't have any experience online or maybe they are an amazon seller and they now want to start building up their own product on their own website um when people come to me they have no idea where to get started they Mm -hmm. may know how to piece together a really ugly basic landing page but they don't know how to garner interest in their product they don't know how to get Mm -hmm. people to that page they don't know how to build the email list even if they can figure out how to get people to their list and scale that, they don't know what to say or how to turn that list into customers. Mm-hmm. So part of it is like lack of confidence, lack of experience, but also it's just so overwhelming to start building an audience or a product that doesn't necessarily exist yet or you're pre-launched mm-hmm. and you don't know what audience to go after, who you're what your positioning is it's just like it's really overwhelming in the beginning and so if i can take that whole thing and distill it people come to me because they need help building awareness they need help building their audience to turn that audience into paying customers um and the basis of any launch you do any business you're starting to grow it all comes down to having an audience building machine that yet you do certain things that we're talking about today to allow you to build your audience, but that you can turn that audience into actual customers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So where do you, where do you start? Cause I, I say like this mirrors obviously like our customers on the side that are startups that are doing this, that are starting from like zero, or maybe they have like 50 connections they've made so far with the product. Like they're basically starting from zero is still what I consider it. Um, how do you go about, like, what are the things you tell them they should be focused on or you help them or you focus on for them uh, if they've hired you? But what are the things that you focus on in terms of, like, driving traffic? Because that's the biggest challenge I feel like people face is that once they, you know, let's assume they've they've started to get their copy better, but they won't really know until traffic comes to the page if the copy is persuasive. 
Um, yeah. But <laughs> what do you tell people when, when they're coming to you and say like, okay, let's start driving. How do I drive more traffic or how do I drive traffic period to start building from that zero to the first hundred or first thousand people on a list? Yeah. So the first thing I like to look at is the foundations of your product. So when we say I want to get people to my page, that there's so many different kinds of people. You can spend so much money without a focus on like who it is that you're going after first. The very first thing I like to do is take a look at who, who is your ideal customer that is going to buy this product. Okay. So that's the first thing is I would get really clear on who I think my, um, my customer avatar is going to be or who's actually buying my product. That is uh, an easy question you could ask yourself is like, okay, well, who is likely going to benefit the most from a product like mine? So if we use the monk manual and if yep. you guys I, want to vote on Steven coming on the show, maybe with enough traction, <laughs> you can get him on the show. Yeah. Um, but we have something like the monk manual where we have, um, instead of just traffic, you have to look at, okay, well, who would benefit the most from a journal that helps people with peaceful being purposeful doing? Okay. And then you can start writing a list of like, all right, well, new parents, it could be entrepreneurs, it can be um, professionals. And you start to make a list of the kinds of people that you think would benefit the most from a product like this. So mm -hmm. that's step one is getting really clear on who. Uh, the second step is why. I'm going to pause you for a second oh, there. sure, yeah. So those are three wildly different audiences that I could imagine yes. reaching out to in very different ways. So how yes. does that, how do you rectify, how do you like unify that? Is it, maybe you'll get into that. Is that different targeting or is it different like speaking to each audience separately or is it one message for all the audiences or? I love that question. Let's circle back to that after we- Okay, I'll, on, I'll put on that on pause and I'll come back yeah. to it because I was, I, I, I think you're right. I also think like that's a, that becomes another challenge that feels even more overwhelming sometimes. And I don't want to be arbitrary today. So like, yeah, let's yeah. definitely do that. So okay. step one is like list off anyone who you think would yeah. benefit from the journal. Step two is going to be why. So why will they benefit from the journal? So we have then we look at like, okay, well, entrepreneurs, why would they benefit from a system of peaceful doing and purposeful doing? Okay. Well, because entrepreneurship is chaotic. It's all consuming. There's no balance. And you start to write down like all the pain points that entrepreneurs have with the kind of product that you have, like mm -hmm. with the thing. So if it's a system for peaceful being and purposeful doing, it's like the entrepreneur wants more organization in their life. They want less chaotic and more, you write down like what you, th what kind of benefits they might get from a product like this and what they're currently struggling with. Then you do that for new parents. And then you do that for like, all of the the top five um, groups that you have listed down. Then what I would do is I would take an honest look at that list and say, okay, well, if I have five to 10 wildly different kinds of people, I've now written down the pain points and why they might benefit a product from a product like mine. What do I think are the top 20% of that whole list that's going to benefit the most out of the groups I just wrote down. Mm -hmm. So then you might say clearly entrepreneurs and new parents out of the list of 10 because so chaotic, they blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 whatever that looks like. And so you narrow down that big list to the, the you do an 80, 20 approach to it where you do 20%. I think these two are going to be the most out of like, get the most benefit out of the big list. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yep. So I've picked out the best ones. Awesome. So you've now picked out the best ones. And the thing to know is that you are likely going to be wrong in these two, but that's where testing comes in. So the next thing I would do, because you can't, the, the more you spend on ads, the more you can test. But in the beginning, we are bootstrapped entrepreneurs. You may mm -hmm. only have 50 to $100 a day for testing. So you want to really limit who you're testing so you can get conclusive results. Yep. So what then I like to do is I like to go to Facebook ads, TikTok ads, to focus on marketing, targeting those two very specific groups. And so mm -hmm. I would create ads that speak specifically to the entrepreneur, about the benefits the entrepreneur mm -hmm. would get for this journal. I would then speak directly to parents, the benefits they get. And then what you can do with that is you can run two separate campaigns testing the audiences to see which ones resonate the most with your message. And that's mm -hmm. how you can start testing audiences to see if entrepreneurs resonate the most with this or if it's more mm -hmm. young parents. Mm -hmm. And what is, just so we can get really specific for people, um, what does it mean to resonate? Is it you're looking at click-throughs of the ads? Are you looking through click-throughs to conversions on a landing page? What are you defining as, as the ad resonates well or does not resonate well? So, yeah, that's a great question. So if you, if you want to get fancy, you can drive the entrepreneur and the young, the young parent to two very different landing pages that each speak specifically to that demographic. Yep. What I would prefer is I would prefer one landing page that has the overall messaging and then in the use cases you could say, people who would use this are entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. young parents, et cetera. So you, you drive them to one specific landing page and then what I would look at as a metric of who's resonating the best with the offer would be based on the, um, the conversion into an email address Yep. with that. And then when you're actually in market, it's going to be who is actually buying your product the most. Mm -hmm. So let's say you've, you've done this testing because you can get a lot of tests pretty quickly without a lot of social engagement by running the ads. So let's say you do this testing, you find out that the audience that resonates most is, uh, is, is parents um, yeah. in this case. I'm not sure if that's, that is the case, but let's just pretend it was. We're just, yeah. Um, yeah. And so let's say that that's the audience that resonated most. How would you be like... Do you just focus on ads or how would you recommend somebody who's targeting that that group go about driving more traffic and getting more interest in their product or the page? I love it. So where you might use ad, what will you where you will use ads to validate your messaging and audiences fast, you can now take that data and say, "Oh, wow, young parents won by a landslide." So we now want to take an organic approach to marketing. So outside of paid ads, the other side that you can do is you, if you have product in hand, I definitely recommend um, reaching out to some influencers and getting them to do an unboxing video or um, product review on your product and circulate that to their audience. That would be definitely one thing to do because it allows you to build social proof and get in front of a wider audience without having to pay a ton of money to do that. Yep. So I'm going to ask the, the dumb question, like, I don't have a connection to Kim Kardashian, so how do I get an influencer to talk about my product or to do it? Yeah, so you actually don't start with Kim Kardashian. What you want to do is start with micro-influencers, which are 
if you're going on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and you're searching for, um, what would, okay, so let's just say like young parents might be looking up things like um, organization tips for new moms, mm -hmm. okay? And when you do that search on these platforms, you come across like five or 10 different kinds of people who are talking about good organization tips or um, they are doing an unboxing video, like they, they work with companies to talk about their products, right? So you find someone like that and you're like, oh cool, and you click through to their profile and you find out that this person has between five and 20,000 people on that, of followers. That is a mm -hmm. micro-influencer. You want to work so with between, someone- Between what, what numbers? Say I'm five and 20, 25,000. Five, like 5,000 to 20,000? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So at the micro-influencer level, you get people who are, um, they have a very specific following because what they do is if you look at the account of an influencer like that, they specifically focus on products for young moms. So that's a really yep. good placement because your product for young moms will resonate with their audience. Um, they're also not super expensive if you want to do a sponsored post. And the smaller the audience, the more willing they are to work in exchange for product or in exchange for joining a affiliate program where you offer, say, a commission off of every sale that they, they uh, generate. Mm -hmm. So going after Kim Kardashian, that audience, A, it's going to be, what, $50,000 plus to get her to give you a shout out. I, so she's not I couldn't. Expensive. I couldn't even imagine, but I, I, I just know like whenever I talk to people and I say like, you should try influencers, that is the first objection people get. It's like, oh, like how expensive is it going to be? Because in people's heads, I think when they think of influencers, they're always thinking about the ones that you've heard of, you know, like Mr. Beast or like, you know, can, yeah. like oh the gosh. huge ones that like nobody as a new brand can like, can like think it's about you know, approaching. It's just not accessible. And so when you narrow it down and say, okay, let's find micro influencers and you define it as, you know, a few thousand people as a micro influencer you don't realize like those people are more accessible because they're also looking for not only like they might even just be looking for content to talk about. And so yeah. they just like, they want to have new content every single day or several times a day. And they, they, you know, your offer to like, as try out this product um, might even just be enough without payment for some of them. And we've heard that from exactly. our customers is like sometimes just the exchange of like, Hey, here it is for free. You try it out. If you like it, post a video about it. And when we launch our store, we'll give you an affiliate link and, you know, and that's it. And that works sometimes. That's all the all you needed. It just took yeah. the guts from some of our customers saying, like, I just needed to reach out and find five of them to do, um, and they yeah. were willing to do it. Exactly. So, influence. It's about less is more. And what's interesting is like these influencers, they're building their following. They need this content because the better mm -hmm. their content, the bigger their audience gets. And in the future, they'll be able to charge a lot more for videos like that and et cetera, et cetera. But um, I would definitely start with influencer marketing if you have product to send them. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing I would do is I would look to grow your audience a little bit. So what you might want to do from paid ads is you can, if you are building a lead gen list, like an email list from your um uh, your paid ad efforts, you can use that to funnel people into a Facebook group around your product or your upcoming launch. And then in your Facebook group, you can provide a lot of value, make it a really great community, and then grow through referrals. So mm -hmm. by using your customer base, you can start to bring people onto your email list 
into the group through referrals and engage them. Mm-hmm. The, so they're both feeding each other in that case. Like if you're creating yeah. a Facebook group, you're creating it around the launch and then helping them drive traffic to your launch page to collect an email and then driving new emails also back to the Facebook group. Yep, exactly. Okay, and then um, what about existing uh, communities? And so what about engagement yes. with, say, like, you know, Reddit parenting communities or Facebook, popular Facebook groups about, like, new parent organization? Because all of these things exist. 100%. So getting into new Facebook communities gives you a chance to network with people in your space, uh, mm-hmm. provide value, and get market feedback on your product, which is really, really, really invaluable. So there is a bit of an art to being able to monetize getting into Facebook groups because so many of the good groups are anti-promotion. So you really do have to be in there from a value add standpoint um, and go at it from like building building yourself up as a little bit of an authority in that space and starting to get feedback and just being a positive force in those groups to be able to engage people in conversation and eventually say, hey, by the way, we, yeah, we do have a product that helps with that. Do you want me to add you to our wait list? Yep. Et cetera. Absolutely. I mean, it's something that we used as well when we were first uh, launching Kickoff Labs is that uh, we had... um, I just went into uh, Quora as a question and answer community mm-hmm. and just looked for people asking questions about about contests and product launches and just started answering questions. And in my bio, it had a link to Kickoff Labs. And then some of the question answers had pictures and you know the pictures say like screenshot of a Kickoff Labs launch. Like in the picture is like, it wasn't an overly promotional. It was just part of the answer because I'm using my product yeah. as like, Here's an example of like, cause people would ask questions like, can you give an example of a good launch page? Like, oh, here's three, like <laughs> three yeah. good launch pages. Um, and just the caption of the image would say like built on kickoff labs, or maybe that was even just in the image cause it was a free user using like a, using a, a, a um, freemium version that had branding on it. And so they would yeah. discover the product. And in the first year uh, after doing the core post, I think of, probably posted just like 50 or 60 answers. It wasn't that many, it was a few a week. I was just doing like a few a week. Um, We started looking back at the referrals and realized that Cora had driven $20,000 in sales um, for our product. From just little things like that. Just little like things. And as you said, there is an art. If I'd gone into Cora in those communities and started saying like, let me tell you about the number one product for doing that, or like started trying to ask my own questions to then answer them, I could be immediately, yeah, like you said, you'd be immediately banned from from those communities, but there's value in doing it. And we've had other customers also tell us that one of the things they do is they go into these communities and like they would even have their product team if they had a few people on their team to say, hey, we all have to spend one hour a day just going and answering questions with the link in our bio in these communities, just answering questions and providing that value. And um, they would get tremendous return on that investment from the one hour a day of just answering, you know, three or four questions each for five people in one hour a day. It adds up pretty quickly yeah. to the traffic being generated to the site. Um, it's great. So these are these are cool. Th- this is these are things that we've heard from uh, lots of our customers. So what's next? What's next is social media. Okay, um, there is a one of my friends, Damian Law. He launched a uh, late night snacking company. And what he did, what their cookies that help you 
relax and just get better sleep. So mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to eat cookies that also help with health benefits? Like, <laughs> amazing. So uh, it's effing good snacks. And mm-hmm. I watched him as he used TikTok to no paid ads. Um, what he did was he used TikTok and building up his presence throughout his journey of um, getting uh, the whole pre-launch of just like getting the idea for it, um, building awareness, building his list, etc. And he built up TikTok around sharing behind the scenes. And because of that, he sold out of a thousand units of his product using just organic TikTok posts that he used. Mm-hmm. So using social media to share your journey, share the story, share your pre-launch is going to be an amazing way to cast the net wide and help your content be discovered by people looking for a solution like that. Mm-hmm. So because of that, you build a following. When you build a following, you're able to then build your list with the right mechanism on that. Um, Cause mm-hmm. people click through to your website and go from there. So social media and using things, especially TikTok and short form video and sharing your story behind the scenes and having a really good content plan is going to help you as well. Um, yeah, so any, that's like total blanket statement, but like <laughs> social media is very, um, very, very, very powerful in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the thing to think about is like when you're doing the social media, it's not just random haphazard posts. It's got to be part of a like a bigger plan timed up with the launch. Um, And so in the case that you're talking about, like he was documenting his journey, but that was the plan for content was like this journey documenting because through the journey, he's telling the story of the product, I imagine, in in these videos. And when you have things like, just got my first sample, look at it, tastes so good. I got my friends to try it, tastes so good. By the way, if you wanna follow, be sure to go to our email list and sign up for your discount. Hint, hint, like that's how you lead the story into the action that you want people to take. Perfect. Yeah. Um, So we've talked a bit about like growing the audience. I mean, if you've got other tips for growing audience, I think you've covered kind of the major ones, at least the ones that we hear about. Um, you know, we talked about yeah. like the the micro influencers. We talked about advertising for testing. We talked about networking with people. We talked about the in, on social networks, and we talked about social media plans. Yeah, right. Those seem like the big networks. Am I right? The people yeah. you use for driving traffic. Um, there are other things that we see brand owners doing. I don't know if you wanted to go through those or not, but if yeah, you're gonna come, like a couple other things, yeah, I just I want to get make sure we have time to get into like while people are launching the things they should do to keep the list engaged. So I do want to talk Love about it. that. So I'll just um, so quickly let's recap some of the other things you see working for your brands. Podcast ads, getting interviewed on podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, weekend markets, even if you don't you only have a couple products to sample what you can do at trade shows or expos or weekend markets is talk to people, get them to use your product, join a wait list. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, focus groups. Those are the big ones where any place where you can get in-person feedback for your product, you can collect that information. Yep. Yeah, I've literally, one of my favorite entrepreneur stories I found um, soon after we launched Kickoff Labs, there was a, uh, at the coffee shop near me, there was literally a guy put up a placard next to his laptop saying, ask me about my app. And it was a picture of an app for like pets. 
And like, he was like, give, he had a pile of gift cards, like $5 gift cards. Like your coffee is free if you talk to me about the app. And so he was literally just giving out $5 gift cards for people. But in exchange, he was getting like them to take a small survey about the app and then learn about the product. And I was like, this oh guy's going to make it. <laughs> like, Whether it's this product or the next one, this person's going to make it. <laughs> I love out of the box thinking like that. And otherwise, he was just working when no one was talking. He was just, like, working on his app and, like, stuff. But otherwise, uh, but he probably only spent, you know, like, 100 or $200 in Starbucks gift cards, gave away all of them by the end of the day, and had a whole bunch of customer data in hand afterwards. Anyway, let's talk about, let's transition to, like, so you're growing the list. And you've got, you figured out maybe, you know, not everybody has to do all of these channels. I think it's important to remember, like, you might test all of them, but for mm -hmm. each brand, what we've seen is like maybe one or two or two or three of the different channels works for that brand and that story. Yes. Um, and so you're executing on a plan to keep having, you know, driving traffic to your page. You're building this email list, right? Yes. So you're starting to build this list. One of the questions we get is what do you do to keep people engaged leading up to the product launch? Because the worst thing you can do that we hear is people that like, sign up for something and then six months later you send them an email and say like hey we launched come buy our product and like that just like does not work yeah, so like work. what do you how do you guide people through what they're doing during whatever however long whether it's you know three weeks three months six months however long this launch period is before there's something for most people to buy how are you t telling them to engage with the audience yes so First, if someone's like, oh, I am building my list and I have an email yet. Let's talk about why that's not good. Um, in a busy culture, people have the attention spans of goldfish now. So if you get someone excited for a nanosecond where they sign up for your product wait list, and then in six months, even two months, you email them, it's like, surprise, we're live. They will have no idea who you are. And they're likely not going to open the email and your launch will fail. Okay. Mm -hmm. You could have a list of 40,000 people, but if you haven't emailed them, if you haven't contacted them, you will fail. You will not be happy with your launch. Um, unless if you're like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or something like that, but most products will fail. So engagement is everything in this time and space. We want to stay on the customer's radar. So if you get somebody excited about your product and they join your wait list, you need to stay top of mind with them. When they come onto your email list or they follow you on social media, they take some action that says, ooh, I'm interested in like following this. That's your opportunity to start to build a relationship, trust, and get them even more excited to show up when you're ready for launch. Mm -hmm. So a few ways we can engage them. Um, the easiest way and the minimum is you should be emailing your list at least once a week or yeah, at least, at least once a week, mm -hmm. I would say in the beginning, um, when you do that, you're not only training their inbox to hear from you regularly and to prioritize your messages near the top. Um, but you're also kind of training your customer on who you are and building a, like building, um, affinity, I guess, if like uh, awareness, they, they just start to recognize your company more, etc. So once a week at a minimum, email them. Um, when and you, you don't have a product them, to sell in that. So like, what are you, what are you yeah. emailing them? Like, what are the yeah, types of emails question. that you're suggesting to send? 
So we are launching a coffee product in March on Kickstarter, and it's mm -hmm. a special kind of coffee maker. Um, if we email, when we email them once a week, we're not just saying things like, hey, 18 more weeks till we're live. Mm -hmm. That's it. We want to give people a reason to open these emails and to be excited. So our content strategy is value add content. So what that means is we look at our customer being coffee aficionados and we look to, to send out content for maybe different kinds of brands they could try. Um, mm -hmm. Extraction tips for their coffee, how to make the best cup of joe in under three minutes. Um, any questions that have come in off social media for like, hey, what's the price of your product? How do I use it? What is vacuum brewing? What is this? What is that? Uh, those questions are great content and email pieces too that you can send mm -hmm. out. Um, it can be manufacturing updates. It could be, hey, we just finished our, our prototype and here's a photo of it or here's a video that we have. Mm -hmm. It could be the founder touching base about something. Um, there's many different kinds of content that you can mm -hmm. include, but it comes down to making sure that the content is worthy of your customer's attention. So whether that yeah. is behind the scenes, sharing big press updates or value add content by answering questions or something like that, um, that's the kind of content that we want to be yeah. sending out. Yeah. I would say the other category we've heard about, and I, I did an interview earlier this morning where the category that they landed on was telling the story but then the other category of the emails they were sending out was just, um, you know, it, like engagement in the building process. So they were literally sending out like, do you like UI A or B? And so they were getting people trained to yes. like reply because they're sending them screenshots of like, you know, do you like this in our app or this in our app? Um, and they would just get people's answers and they would use that, you know, because they wanted the input from the people, yeah. presumably because they're their customers that are going to buy the product ultimately, but they wanted the customers to feel engaged in the process so that their customers kind of felt like they were part of the journey, not just like learning about it, but like they were participating in some small way towards the launch. I love that. Um, even if you want to do something like get to know your audience a bit where you have a, um, you can do, hey, do you drink coffee or tea? What are you most excited to use this product for? Or mm -hmm. you can send out, um, if you want to like test the list to see how I like testing lists to see how likely people are to take action on something. So then what we need them to take action to buy the product, they're mm -hmm. more likely to do that. So we have done things like a month before launch, we send out a survey in exchange for a gift certificate where we're like, yeah. Hey, we ask questions like what is your favorite feature about XYZ product? Yeah. And we list four features and we say, okay, this is the price point. This is what the product does. How likely are you to buy based on that? And yeah. we can look at that data and say, okay, so based on, um, we nailed what features and benefits we thought were the top ones our customers cared about. We, mm -hmm. there's no problem about price and everything looks really good. And our customers responded positively that they are ready to buy mm -hmm. when this happens. Um, we've used surveys before to root out any issues where if it's like, if we are launching a really expensive product, and we go in and say, hey, uh, the product's going to be $9.97. What are the chances you're going to buy this? And if we get like 10% of people come back and say no, then we know we've got some big problems because we haven't built up enough value with that list to mm -hmm. warrant us being successful with the launch. Mm -hmm. Or 
asking about things like what is your favorite feature, what is what not, allows us to know what to focus on or emphasize yep. on our video or product page to make sure that the positioning is aligned. Yep. Um, so really cool things like that you can also use to get your customer feedback to see if you need to dig in anywhere. Yeah, that's a great tip on like using the engagement, the feedback to figure out like if you're ready to send, the, <laughs> get into the launch phase and like what you focus on and whether or not, you know, you're going to sell to like 1% of them or 10% of them uh, after the launch. Yeah, because it's like, um, oh, we look really good or oh no, uh, we need to, we need to work on this. Yeah. So um, we've got a few minutes left, so I'm to make sure we get to the, um, the phase where we're talking about the launch. And so... Um, one of the things, the other failure point I see is people doing like they send a launch email and they say, well, that's it. I sent my launch email. Like now people buy, right? Um, <laughs> so like the product is available to buy. Yeah. Obviously you've probably sent a series of emails leading up to it and you send your launch email and you're done, right? The, everybody in your launch list is going to come purchase. So what do you tell people to do, uh, or how to think about the launch period beyond just the first email that goes out saying, here's, here's your opportunity to buy. Yeah. So people don't buy if they don't have a reason to buy. And mm -hmm. part of you bringing people to, if, if it's a Kickstarter launch, for example, um, as part of your 30 days, you're going to see an influx of sales on the first day. Yep. Very little in the middle unless if you get some viral spike or whatever, and then about 40 to 50% of your sales in the second half. And the reason this happens is because if you look at the kind of communication that typically goes out during launches, is you front load it by saying, hey, we've got a bunch of early bird specials where you get to save this much money or you get this free gift or you get some cool perk by buying, being one of the first 100 customers or something. So everything's yep. front loaded to get that initial traction and spike. And so your communication in the first three days when you're really pushing those early bird offers is a we're live, but then you have to make sure that like you have to assume that somebody may not have received that email. So you need to resend that email. You should send updates. Hey, we're in our second day. We've raised this much. Here's another reason to go back and buy because we still have units available. Um, week one update. Make sure people, uh, okay, sorry, let me back up here. So you have like a lot of communication that happens during that open cart period because yep. the reasons for people buying are going to be different. So yep. if somebody feels like they've missed the early bird offer, they might think, oh, I'm just going to sit back and see how this campaign does or see if I like it or wait until product reviews come out and see what yep. happens. So you have to stay in communication with people because people may not be buying for different reasons. They may not buy because they think they've missed the early bird offers. They may not buy because they have a big question that you haven't answered yet. Like mm -hmm. what, how, I'm new to Kickstarter, how do I back this? Or I don't understand why I need this. And so when you send out communication that's like, hey, on the fence, here are some top questions. Yep. And you answer the question, they in a week or so might come back and buy the product. At the end of the campaign, when you're like, hey, you need to finish because after this date and time, this big offer goes away. They may not be aware of that offer. Yep. So you have to hit them at multiple points during the campaign to make yep. because there are different reasons why people are on the fence and you're not going to capitalize on that if you don't follow through with communication. Yeah. I have a comment and a question. So my, my 
comment is um, I think that that's a really good point in terms of like uh, the communication. You have to speak differently to different people. Um, and also the point you brought up, I want to emphasize because we've heard it repeated by some of our customers that some of their most successful communications have been things you wouldn't think you need to do. Like you mentioned explaining how Kickstarter works or mm -hmm. how a pre-purchase works or in our case, like how the wait list works. And some of the most successful communications have literally been telling people, here's how I'm running the wait list and here's how, you know, you'll be able to be first. Like just explaining it really simply to them. You sign up, you earn points, you, as you earn points, you move up the wait list. Yeah. Once you're near the top of the wait list, you'll get a chance to do the early bird. Oh, you don't know what early bird is. Here's an explanation of like how Kickstarter works and how you're going to get access to the deals. And like some of those communications, like we take, you know, we assume we, may, we we assume as like founders or the business owners that like people just understand what Kickstarter is or, but the re reality is so many people don't. And so like one person, like he literally filmed a video of himself going through the Kickstarter purchase thing to just mm -hmm. make people feel confident. Like, here's how it works. And he just did it to another product because his wasn't out there yet. So he yeah. filmed the video. He's like, here, I'm going to show you what it's like to buy something on Kickstarter and did a video with like going through the purchase, waiting, and then he got the product and he unboxed it. He's like, look, I got the product. And it was not another product, not his, but just to like teach people that like this is a safe thing and they understood what, what the process was. So I think that's a totally like a tip I wanted to, to double down on. The question is, what do you say to people, because it's a common objection I hear, who say, when I send all this communication, whether it's on Facebook or TikTok or in email primarily as well, people are going to unsubscribe, unfollow, or not want to be around it because I'm just like sending too much. Like it's just, you know, you mentioned like a launch email and then day two or day three update or like just a one week going. update. And you, you kind of mentioned a lot of emails, like there were five or six mails you kind of rattled off, off your head there as part of that promotion. Yeah. Like, so what do you say to people who are like, oh, everybody's going to unsubscribe or leave right away? Yeah. So what I say to that is if somebody unsubscribes, they weren't going to be a customer of yours anyway because they're not resonating with whatever you're putting out. If that is the case, it's fine. Focus on the people who are there who resonate and who open your emails. So mm -hmm. everyone unsubscribes from everything, even if it is the most heartfelt message you've put out there. Um, yeah. We marketers, this is insane, but there are marketers out there who have tested sending an email a day to their list versus once a week. And it actually mm -hmm. is that when you send it seven days a week, eventually what happens is your unsubscribe rate goes down and your open rate goes up because your mm -hmm. list engagement starts to climb. So don't worry about it. You're not sending too many emails. The reality is that every one of your customers on your email list do not open every email. So because yeah. of that, you have to hit them multiple times for them to see the email, to get the message, to get multiple points of contact. So yeah. it's okay. Just focus on the quality of the content. If you are spamming your list seven days a week, spamming meaning like, hey, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing, and you're not actually providing value or having your customer top of mind with reasons they should be excited to open the email, that's what you should be focused on. So focus on the quality of your content, not how much mm -hmm. you're emailing them. No, I, I mean, obviously I think you're absolutely right. It's that the people who are gonna buy are gonna stay on. 
I mean, I think about myself personally, there's some companies that I've literally, I've left their list, but then I've come back to their list because like I wasn't ready to buy at the time. So I kind of didn't want to hear from them, but then I'll see a Facebook ad and I'll be like, oh, like I should just sign back up again. So I signed back up again. And then maybe a month after that of getting emails, I've been ready to buy like the product. And so it's important for people to realize that not everybody's buying journey is just like they got an email and they bought. (laughs) So, because your own buying journeys probably aren't like that. And then the other thing, to recall, to, to, to think about is like, I think it's, it's, you can't take it personally if somebody's like, oh, unsubscribing or, you know, they send an email back saying like, take me off your list because for every one of those emails we get at a product, I know I get another email or talk to a customer and say, wow, your, your email on this was really helpful. Like your email as part of the launch series, the content was great. Um, and we get comments about that, you know, just as often or more so than we get the, the negative, the unsubscribes. Um, but we do like, we see like anytime we send a list, like an email to our list, there's just people who are going to unsubscribe. They're just done. They weren't going to buy, um, yeah. and they leave and that's okay. Um, you just have to be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Cause for all, you know, it might be the office assistant who is clearing out the founder's inbox and they want, yeah. might want to move that communication over to somewhere else. Like you yeah. don't know, you know, it don't think, oh, people unsubscribe. They must hate my content. Um, yeah. Don't jump to that conclusion unless if you actually get enough feedback that says like, why are you sending me this spam or here's my feedback, et cetera. Yeah. Cool. So we've kind of gone through all the different phases um, with a couple minutes left. What have we not talked about that you think is really important for people to think about when they're growing their audience for their e-commerce site or their launch? Yeah, what's interesting is at this point, you become kind of a master at building your list, building an audience and building awareness for a product. If you are doing a Kickstarter launch or a product launch in general, where you have taken pre-sales for a product and right after your launch, you're flipping into fulfillment, keep on top of your audience building, stay in communication with your customers and focus on bringing a great product to market. I think Mm -hmm. that the launch is just part of the journey. And as you look to scale your brand, it comes down to a rinse and repeat of exactly what you've been doing before the launch. You just keep it going at a larger scale. Mm -hmm. So So almost what you're recommending is like the engagement activities that people are doing, whether they're running like a launch giveaway or like whatever they're doing to get their customers engaged leading up to launch that worked you have to think it's like it's not launch day it's launch month and then oh it's not launch month it's like this is just my life now like i just keep engaging customers this way like yeah yeah Yeah, exactly because the amount of founders that burn out after kickstarter and then go emma they ghost for six months because they're in china working on their product and then they come back and they're like hey we fulfilled but now we have to restart all of our advertising because we stopped everything you are launching your business when you're launching your product So everything we've talked about today, keep doing it because that's how you're now going to continue to scale your brand. Cool. Um, So how can, um, how can people stay in touch with you or ask you questions if they've got, uh, if they got, because we get requests all the time. Like, do you know somebody that helps partner? Like, so how can people reach out to you, get in touch with you and, uh, and, you know, get your two cents on what they're doing? Yeah. So if you need help validating, launching, or scaling your early stage brand, then you can either go to launchandscale.co.co, um, book a call with me or the team, 
if you're just in the learning phase right now, check us out on YouTube. We've got hundreds of videos to help with this process. Um, and if you have a question, send us an email at hello at launchandscale.co. Cool. And obviously we'll link all that stuff up uh, in the notes for the show and in the podcast. So it'll have like links to everything going out so people can find it when we send out the mail. Um, this has been uh, this has been great. I really enjoyed our conversation and I know it's going to help a lot of people um, just like even hearing some of the things and like reinforcing some of the best practices that we tell them along the way for launching. So this has been great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. So.